uh, normally we have special music, and um, I was going to ask Pastor to come sing for us, <laughs> but he made a New Year's resolution not to sing in church and, uh, from the pulpit anymore. Did you look, you look at the bulletin? I, I, I like that. Uh, it has a big counter, says 2024. I'm not good with uh, technology stuff now. Um, you know, you have your, your, your card, you can just wave it in front of something. You can take your phone and wave it, and that saves a lot of embarrassment. For those of you who are probably you, maybe 50 years old and older, how many, when you had to write checks, a lot of checks, would write the last year's date, at least two or three or four weeks into the new year? Did you ever do that? We don't have to worry about it anymore. Just wave your phone over something. But it is New Year's, and we're glad you're here. And I know a lot of people make resolutions and stuff for New Year. I, I, I decided I wanted to lose weight, so I went to the doctor to see what I could do. And the doctor said, your weight is perfect for your height if you're 11 feet tall. So <laughs> that was very encouraging. We want to share, if you have your Bibles and have them open to Matthew chapter 6, title of our message is, Take No Thought for Tomorrow. Take No Thought for Tomorrow. I, uh, I, th th we could just stop right there. We're talking about 2024, what to look for. I said, don't even think about tomorrow. Don't worry about what's happening next year. That'd be great. Hey, but that's, that's a world record time. We're already done for today. But of course, that's not what that verse is saying. In fact, that's not the way to, proper way to interpret the Bible. I heard a wise preacher say once uh, from this pulpit, read the rest of the verse. Read the rest of the verse. You know, there's famous examples of that. Everybody knows the example out of Psalms where it says, there is no God. See, the Bible says there is no God. But if you read the rest of the verse or what's in front of it, it says, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Of course, what we're talking about is the context, the verse. What, what does the whole verse say? Uh, what does the verses around that verse say? What does the chapter around that verse say? What is the book saying? What is the testament saying? And you always look at the context to help you understand that. And we're going to look at the context a little bit later on. But something I, I wanted to share is another way of understanding what the Bible is trying to say when it says, take no thought for tomorrow. How should we feel about 2024? I think we can understand what it's saying by understanding what it is not saying. And what that verse is saying, it's not saying that you should not plan. That you should not make plans like for 2024 or have something you're looking forward to. What would happen if we didn't plan? Just think about Christmas time. Well, it's Christmas time. I'm having company over. I, I don't take no thought for tomorrow. So we're just going to sit here and see what happens when all the family pulls in. How about just even our church vacation Bible school? A very uh, busy time. Lots of young people here. Parents here on Friday. We do so many different things. What if we say, well, the Bible says take no thought for tomorrow. So we're not going to plan anything. It would be chaos. It would be terrible. You know, what does the Bible say about planning? Let me give you three examples about what the Bible says about planning. First, remember Joseph. Joseph uh, interpreted the dream that the Pharaoh had that there were going to be seven years 
of plenty and then seven years of want. What did he do? He made a plan. He had a plan to how to be able to save up the grain so that the Egyptians would live, so his own family would live. He had a plan. Think about Joshua and Jericho. How are we going to defeat Jericho? Well, God had a plan. And Joshua carried out the plan. You go out six days, march one time around, be very quiet. On the seventh day, you march around seven times and then holler, and the walls fell down. Think about Gideon. Gideon had 300 against over 100,000 of the enemy. What did they do? Well, we'll just walk up and see what happens. No, they had a plan. They took a torch and a pitcher and put the pitcher over the torch and broke it and shouted in the night, and it, it, it frightened them, and they defeated the enemy. If you hold your place here, Matthew, look over in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Jesus himself talks about having a plan. Something that you're working on toward this year. Maybe it's just in your life personally. Maybe it's for your family. Maybe it's for your, uh, your job. Maybe it's something here in the church. What does Jesus say about planning? Well, in this uh, passage, is talking about discipleship, and Jesus is trying to give an example. In verse 28, Luke 14, 20, it says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it? Thus happily, after he had laid the foundation, is not able to finish it. All that behold it had begun to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Look at verse 31. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth where he is able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? What is Jesus saying? Well, he's not specifically saying, hey, it's okay to plan, but what he's implying here is it's a wise thing to do, to plan and uh, to be organized and have a plan. What do you have in store for yourself for 2024? Do you have a plan? Look over in James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Now we're going somewhere with this and we're, we're going to hit the point here when we look at James 4. In James chapter 4, again, a passage that you've probably heard more than once, it says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the mark, verse 14. James 4.14, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. Well, that's we, we've heard that before, but look at the verse before it. Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there in a year and buy and sell and get gain. Look at verse 15. For what you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Now, you could look at this and say, well, here's somebody had a plan, and, and, and James here, as he's writing, kind of makes sound, it's not a good idea to plan. But it, James 4 is not talking about it's wrong to plan. What James 4 is saying is this, it's wrong to plan and leave God out. To leave God out, what your plans are, and what you, you're trying to do this coming year. It's not wrong to plan, but it's wrong to plan and leave God out. Uh, let me read a passage to you. It's in Luke 12, and it's another parable of Jesus talking. In verse 16 of Luke 12, it says, And he spoke a parable 
unto them, saying that the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say unto my soul, Soul, as much goods laid up for many years, take ease, and eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? He says, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. Here's a guy, very successful. He had these great plans, and then none of the plans carried out because his soul was required of him. And in the passage, God's not criticizing him for having plans or being successful. He was called a fool because he left God out of his life. He left God out of his life. What are your plans for 2024? You know, God needs to be part of that. And it's not just spiritual things, just everyday things we do in our life. We need to seek God out and not leave him out of our plans. And we need to ask him for wisdom, ask him for help, ask him for guidance. But so many times we leave God out of our plans. Now back to James 4. In James 4, in verse 13, he, he says at the end of the verse, I'm going to go in the city and buy and sell and get gain. Where was his priority? I think the person that's kind of speaking of in this verse, the priority is the gain. I'm not going to the city and I'm going to get gain and then I'm going, to, I'm going to, God, what do you want me to do with that gain? It's just that was what was the priority to him, gain. And why that's a dangerous thing to plan and leave God out is in verse 14, you don't know what shall be on the morrow for what is your life. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. How many of you here know what's going to happen in 2024? Anybody know for sure? Now, we might think we know what's going to happen, uh, but... We don't know, but God does. Don't leave them out of our plans. In verse 14, it also talks about that our life is a vapor that appear for a little time and shall vanish away. You know, time is short. Time is short. It's too short to leave God out of our lives. Let me ask a question. How many remember sitting here in the New Year's, Eve, <laughs> New Year's Day service a year ago? And Christmas time a year ago, it went by like that. It goes by so fast. Don't leave God out of your plans. Conclude them in your plans because time is short. Look at verse 15. I like this. It says, For we ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. All he seeks God's will. Again, it's not wrong to, to have plans for 2024. Maybe you're going to go on vacation. It's good to look forward to something like that. Maybe you're going to get to do this or get to see somebody. But always include God in that. We get so busy and, and we leave God out of our plans. Which, look at verse 16. This is very sobering here. But now you rejoice in your boastings. I'm going to do this or that. Care what, you know, I, I, maybe I do care what God's thinking, but I, I didn't really ask him what he thought. Uh, you're, you're boasting about, I can live my life. I can live 2024 without God. In the end of verse 16, all such rejoicing is what? Do you see it? It says evil. It's not right to leave God out. Don't leave God out of your life. Don't leave him out of your plans in 2024. By the way, verse 17, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth not to him it is 
sin. Don't leave God out of 2024. Remember this. Always remember this. It's wise to plan. Jesus implied that. And we see it over and over in the scripture. It's nothing wrong with planning, but it's foolish to leave God out of your plans. Don't leave God out of your plans. In fact, let me encourage you, plan on doing something for God in 2024. Again, I hope you, maybe you're making some New Year's resolution. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to you know, quit this bad habit. I'm going to spend more time with my family. I'm going to read my, but plan, do something for God in 2024. I'm going to get more involved in the church. I'm going to spend more time praying. I'm going to spend more time in his word. Plan on doing something for God this next year. Now, turn over to James chapter 1. So, when it says take no thought for tomorrow, it's not saying don't plan, but it's also not saying something else. And it's not saying do nothing. Take no thought for tomorrow. I'm going to do nothing. That would be called a fatalistic approach. You know, what difference does it make? What's the use? I'm hitting my head against the wall. I'm wasting my time. And many people get this attitude. Maybe there are things that you've been trying for many years in your life. Maybe trying to reach someone for Christ. Maybe a loved one or a friend. Or, or maybe it's a, a habit you keep uh, just struggling with. And, and you say, that's just no use. I, I'm going to give up. I'm going to, it's just a struggle. So we don't plan. We, we don't work. We don't serve. We don't do anything. Because we get the attitude or the feeling of what's the use. Let me share three, three truths from the Bible. First truth is found in Isaiah 55, verse 11. In Isaiah 55, verse 11, it says that God's word will not return void. It'll do the work that I send it to do. And so let me encourage you. Get into the word. See what, how God would direct you. See what God would show you from his word. And it, and it won't return void. It will have an impact in your life. They say, well, I, I, I've been trying that. I've been trying that for years, and nothing seems to happen. I'm going to give up. God's word won't return void. That is God's promise, and it's true. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is, what's the next part? Is not in vain in the Lord. Whatever you're doing, when you include God in your plans and you go forth and, 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 and all the things you're doing in your life, um, it's never a waste of time. It's never a waste of time. It might seem that way. We might allow ourselves to get discouraged, but it's never a waste of time. Now, you, you say, well, that's easy for you to say. Well, I didn't say it. That's what God said. That's what he said. It's, your labor's not in vain. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, you will reap what you sow. If you, if you sow nothing, guess what you're going to get? Nothing. I heard someone say, it's not easy doing nothing because you don't know when you're finished. How do you know when you're finished? But if you sow nothing, uh, what's the use? And that's what you're going to sow. And in fact, in verse 11 of Galatians 6, it says, we will sow in due season if we faint not. Don't get a fatalistic attitude as you go into 2024. 20, Don't do something for the Lord. In fact, did you turn to James 1? Look at verse 22. 
it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Deceiving yourselves. Uh, in 2024, be a doer. Do something. Do something with your life. You're not, not everybody can do the same thing, but you can do something. Be a doer. Not just a hearer of the word. I'm glad you're all here today and you're hearing the word. Let me encourage you for 2024, do something. Do something for the Lord. Uh, get busy for him. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now, Back to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at the context and just read the next part of the verse this morning. Matthew 6 and verse 34. Take no thought for tomorrow. Now again, we just saw it doesn't mean don't plan. doesn't mean do nothing. We ought to be doing something. We ought to be planning. But don't leave God out of those things. And it says, the, the next part of the verse, for the Mars shall take thought for the things of itself. Now, we're going to explain what that means, but uh, you ever seen them books? There's a books that, that, if you don't know how to run a computer, it's called Computers for Dummies. You ever, you ever seen those? And they, might, they have books, all those kind of books. You know, how to play the guitar for dummies. Uh, you know, you, whatever you're trying to do for dummies. And I, and, and by the way, I'm not calling you dummies this morning, okay? I just want to tell you that Matthew chapter 6 is a, a, is a book. If you say, how do, should I feel about the future for dummies? Because in Matthew chapter 6, God gives us so many reasons why, hey, you know, I need, I need to do something for the Lord. I need to trust the Lord. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. And it gives us a lot of direction how we think about 2024. Tomorrow will take care of itself. What does that mean? Well, I think it means two things. First off, in 2024, you can't change anything by worrying about it. Look in Matthew 6, look in verse 25. It says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat and a body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Verse 27, which of you by taking thought can add one cubic into his stature? You know, is there something to worry about in 2024? Oh well, my goodness, look at the world. Look what's going on in the world. Look what's going on right now in the Middle East. And look at the war in Ukraine. Uh, there's evil all over the place. Look at our own country. I, it's just, it's just mind-blowing what people are, are, are purporting as truth. And, and you have to think this way. Just tremendous evils. And it could be very discouraging. It could cause you to worry of what's going to happen this year. But let me ask you a question. Can worrying about it change anything? Can it encourage your heart? Can it strengthen you? You know, if 2024 was up to men, I would say, by all means, worry. You know, <laughs> we ought to worry. But, you know, it's not up to men. It's up to God. And but since it's up to God, we don't need to worry because he is trustworthy. 
He holds the future in his hands. It's up to him. To worry is to not trust God. Will God get weak in 2024? Will God be unconcerned about what's happening in the world in 2024? No. He is trustworthy. You know, we need to, we need to say that. I'm going to go one, two, three, and we're going to say he is trustworthy. You ready? One, two, three. He is trustworthy. You know, I don't know. It sounds like he really believed that. Let's do it again. One, two, three. He is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. You can trust him. And by worrying, in verse 27, which of you by taking thought can add one cubic into his stature? You know, that's like saying, I'm not tall enough. If I just worry about it enough, that'll make me taller. Uh, if I'm, um, I don't like the color of my eyes, so if I just worry about it enough, that's going to change the color of my eyes. And the answer is no. Worrying doesn't change a thing. And we make ourselves miserable and life miserable because we worry. You know, you know something better than worrying is to trust God. You know, one thing that help with your worrying would trust God is make plans and include them in your plans. I'm going to trust God and not worry because worry does not change a thing. Uh, if look with me in Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. Getting that section in your New Testament, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. We're in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Hey, there is a lot of things to worry about, but I'm, instead of worrying, I'm going to go, God, I, I, I'm going to pray about this, but I'm going to trust you. Because I realize that you, you are the one with the answers. And I'm I worried cannot change a thing. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing. You know what that means? Don't worry about a thing. Don't worry about a thing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know, instead of worrying, you know, well, we need to take that worry and cast our cares on the Lord. And say, Lord, I, I need your help. I'm worrying about this. But I know you're a God that can, can answer prayer. And I know you're a God that cares and loves me. And you love your creation. And, and pray. What will happen when we do that? When we don't worry and we throw our cares on the Lord. It says in verse 7, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, take no thought for tomorrow, because tomorrow is going to take care of itself, and the reason it can do it is because we need to realize we don't need to worry about anything but trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with our lives and what's going to happen this next year. <clears throat> Here's the second part of that. What does it mean to <laughs> that it'll take care of itself? Is God holds 2024 in his hands. You know, we act like we hold the future in our hands, like it's up to us. You know, what happens this year? You know, it's just up to me. It's up to uh, people. And that's a sad thing. You know what's sad? A lot of people trust that the next year is up to some politicians. 
and, and politics. I heard an interesting thing, uh, politics is broken down as poly, which is many, ticks is a big parasite. So politics are many parasites. I just thought that was interesting. <laughs> but many people think politicians or a political party or science um, holds the key to the future. Now, you know who who's, holds the key to the future? It's the Lord God. He holds the key, and it's in his hands. And uh, I don't see anywhere in the Bible that God tells us to trust any of those things. The Bible tells us not to trust men. That would include politicians, officials. doesn't tell us to trust science. What does God tell us to do in his word? Just to trust him. Everybody knows Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct. Let me insert 2024. We need to trust the Lord. 2024 is in his hands. It's in his hands. Another thing we need to realize as we head to 2024 is that tomorrow's needs are in God's hands. Back to Luke, excuse me, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Tomorrow's needs are in God's hand. Did you know for 2024, God promised to supply our needs, our physical needs, our spiritual needs, our emotional needs. God's promised to do that. In Matthew 6 and verse 25, it talks about don't worry about what your, uh, your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to put on your body. Um, it, it, it continues in verse 28 talking about the lilies of the field and how God clothes them. And basically here it's just saying God's going to supply our needs. You know, people do a lot of things because they are worried about their needs being met. And they forget it could be a tough year for you this next year. But God promised to provide your needs. You know, I, I, um, is it wrong to plan for retirement? Oh, yeah, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, or what you're going to do uh, when you get to that point in your life. But a lot of people start to worry. What if it's not enough? What if it's, what if Social Security collapses and there is none? You know, if you know Christ, you ought to look at this promise. God promised to provide our needs. Now, I don't mean you shouldn't plan or try to be wise and how, how, maybe what you do to prepare for retirement. I don't know. I'm not just harping on retirement this morning, but um, God's going to provide your needs. I lost my job. How am I going to be able to provide? Well, you know, you, you, you keep going and keep trying to get other work because I believe God provides through work, but God's going to provide your needs. And by the way, he is aware of them. Look in Matthew 6. Uh, um, it says in the end of verse, For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. He knows what you need physically. He knows what you need spiritually. He's trying to make you like Christ. By, by the way, in 2024, God's going to try to make you more like Christ. That's, that's what he's going to do. And he knows what you need in your life better than you do. But he will supply our needs. But the issue, again, is trust. How much will you trust God? Look in verse 30. 
At the end of the verse, it says, O ye of little faith. It doesn't say they didn't have faith, but they didn't trust God wholeheartedly. How about you? Do you trust God wholeheartedly? Is it 75% you, 25% God? Maybe a little better. 60-40. 60 you, 40 God. Maybe it's 50-50. Sad truth is for a lot of believers, it's 90% me, 10% God. Oh, ye of little faith. Don't worry what's going to happen next year. Trust God. And plan uh, your life but include God in those plans. In 2024 will be a wonderful thing. In fact, a very familiar verse is verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The things that we need in life. God said he'll provide. Give God the priority in 2024. One more thing I want to share uh, before we wrap it up this morning, is a way to reach these goals. Maybe you make plans. Maybe it's something spiritual. Maybe it's just something like losing weight or uh, kicking a bad habit or whatever, whatever it might be. How do you reach those goals? Look in Matthew 6, in verse 11. Here's the part of the Lord's Prayer, and it says this. Give us this day our daily bread. How do you carry out the plan? How are you going to get that all done? And here, I think this is an important key. The way many things that you want to work on in your life are going to be accomplished one day at a time. One step at a time. We need to realize I can plan for 365 days, but I'll never get there without taking one step at a time. And the problem is when we look and we think about all the things that may be troubling us heading into next year or what's going to happen next year is the big picture can be so discouraging. It can be so discouraging. Um, see that a lot in people who come in for counseling and they, they won't counsel about something in their life personally or maybe a, a marriage situation. And they, they have a big struggle in their life and uh, you know, many times you feel like they want me to give them a pill. You take the pill and it'll all be gone tomorrow. It'll all be okay. You know, a lot of times in counseling, it's going to take time to heal wounds. It's going to take time. And how do you do that? You see, I can't, there's no way I can do that. The way you do it is one step at a time, one day at a time. And we used to have a fellow that came to church and his name was Bob Ferry. And Bob Ferry would come, and, and he got the point, he'd come in his, his wheelchair, he'd sit up front here, and he had a physical condition of extreme pain, terrible pain. And he, uh, there's nothing they could do for him except try to give him pain medicine. He didn't like to take pain medicine because it would make, he couldn't think clear when he took it to try to relieve pain. You know, he lived many years like that. How do you do that? Yeah, I have pain, but uh, 10, 15, 20 years living with pain like that. How do you do it? Well, he had to do it one day at a time. He didn't look at the big picture. How am I going to make it for the next 20 years hurting like this? Instead, he said, I I'm just going to do it one day at a time. And that's important because, again, it can, it can look bleak. And the big picture can be discouraging. Um, 
if you come to my office, I have, uh, I have some uh, clocks that I build, and I do a particular kind of work called fret work. Now, please do not come to my office right now, because I'm not in my office. My office got flooded by the toilet, and uh, I had Lake Averett in my office. And so I, my office has been redone, and I'm crammed into uh, Pastor Bloom's old office right now. It just looks like Tornado City in there. But it, if you see the clocks, it's called fretwork. And what it is in fretwork is you have a lot of frilly, scrolly-looking stuff, and, and there's openings all over. And how you do that is you get a piece of wood, and you get it prepared to what, what you're going to do. You have a pattern. You photocopy the pattern. You spray adhesive on the back of that, stick it on the wood, and everywhere there's an opening, you got to drill a hole. You drill holes, okay? You drill holes. And then you, you, you cut it out. And the way you cut it out, you use something called a scroll saw. It's a, got two arms with a fine blade, and it goes up and down like that. But you got to release the blade. First, release the tension. Release the blade. Take it, thread it through the hole, reattach it, put the tension back on, cut it out. Then you have to release the tension, release the blade, thread it out of that hole, thread it in the next one, and, and go through that procedure over and over again. Sometimes, when you turn it over and look at the back, you go, I'm never going to get that done. There must be 200 holes in this one piece of wood that I'm trying to, to cut the openings out. And then you flip it back over and you go, well, I can see what it's going to look like. So am I going to be discouraged by all the holes or what it's going to look like when I'm finished? And you know how I do it? I mean, that's just not a bragging on me. You know how you, do it? you just got to cut it one hole at a time. I, I, I want to get there. I want to get to what it looks like at the end, but it, I'm not going to click my fingers and all of a sudden it's all cut out. You have to do it one, one hole, one step at a time. You know, there's a verse in the Bible, Psalms 119, 105, and it says that the word is I light into my path, a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I brought something to illustrate that. Here's how a lot of us feel. Now, I got in trouble in early service because I, I flashed this right into the uh, live stream camera. And all they could see is like, I won't, I won't flash this in your eyes. This, look, they already don't even like it. I don't even have it pointed at you. You know, I'm tempted just by how you're acting, just to shine your eyes right now. See how bright that is? I, go over there. I hope that went over the live stream. And see, and that's the way many of us feel about 224. I want to see what's going to happen. I, 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 it's, 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 I want to see what's going to I want to know what's going to happen. You know, you don't know, but God does. I'll turn that off because I can tell it's torturing some of y'all. Here, here's what it's more like and what we should do. We got these things at the house. I don't know who bought them. I won't accuse Diana of buying them. This thing is worthless. This is the emergency light. This is an emergency. So when the power goes off, you have this light. Well, this light is, is not much of a light. And you could maybe barely see in front of you. You know, how that's how God wants us to, to approach the struggles we have in our life. He's, he's going to help you get through them. And maybe he might... Make them go all the way at once, but more than likely, it's going to take a while. It's going to be a struggle. You know how you get it through? One step at a time. And God will give us the light so we can take the next step and the next day. And he'll do that for you in 2024. Uh, we, want to, we want to see the resolution all at once. And God says, just take it a step at a time. I, I'll guide you one step at a time. 
And we can accomplish great things if we'll be patient and trust God. So how about you? Are you making plans for 2024? Are you including God in those plans? Are you making him the priority this next year? It's, it's, it's a good idea to plan. God says it's wise to plan. And again, we saw examples of that. But it's foolish to plan, make plans and leave God out. Making part of what's going on in your life. And don't worry about what's going to happen. And I know that's easy preaching, hard living. Don't worry. But, you know, the future is in God's hands. And worrying is going to, not, is just going to make you miserable. And, and instead of worrying, just trust God. He is trustworthy. He's trustworthy. You can trust. He knows what your needs are. He knows what your needs are that you don't even see yet this year. He says he'll provide our needs if we'll seek him first. Not leave him out of our lives. Leave him out of our plans. He'll do that. And so let me encourage you for 2024, take no thought for tomorrow. Trust God. And he's going to help you. Um, said something in the service. that This is really a kind of a message for believers, those who know Christ. But I said something earlier out of James chapter 1 about being a doer. Being a doer. And you know, the Bible is very clear about going to heaven, that there's two types of people. And, and John chapter 3, verse 18, that those that believed and those that have believed not. But I, I want to say that in a different way. There's two types of people as far as going to heaven. There's the doers and the donners. Now, I know dunner is not a, probably not in the dictionary, but I think it's a great way to understand what God says about going to heaven. There are the doers, those that trust their goodness or something good that they can do to get them to heaven. They, they trust being religious. They trust going to church. They trust the denomination. They trust some kind of good act that they do. Uh, They've got to do something to go to heaven. And there's nothing wrong with doing good things, but the Bible says our good works won't save us. They won't get us to heaven, no matter how sincere we are, how magnificent the work is. You cannot do enough. You know why? Because we're sinners, and good works don't pay for our sin. But then the other type of people in the, in the world are the dunners. Say, listen, I realize I can't do anything to save myself. I'm going to have to trust Christ to save me. See, that's why Christ came to do for you. In fact, he said on the cross, it is finished. Everything necessary to go to heaven was finished at the cross when he died there and shed his blood to pay a debt that we owe to God. We're all sinners. We owe a debt to God, and Jesus paid that debt for us. And the ones that go to heaven are the ones that realize, hey, I, I can't save myself. I'm going to trust Christ, the fact that he died for me and he paid for my sin. I'm going to trust what he did to, to give me everlasting life. It's done. There's nothing I can do. He's already done it. I'm a dunner. Have you trusted Christ to, to save you and give you everlasting life? He died for you. He paid your debt of sin. And he'll give you eternal life if you'll put your trust in Christ as your Savior, as the one who died to pay your sin debt. If you have already done that, what about next year? Will you trust God 
Will you include him in your plans and have the best 2024, uh, best year you ever had? Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heads bow and eyes closed. Again, the message was really for believers this morning, but maybe you come in here and you don't know for sure heaven's your home. You can get up and leave the service knowing that you have eternal life. I could not promise you that, uh, but God promises in his word. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. So at the best you know how, you put your trust in Jesus to save you and give you everlasting life. God will do that. You say, I would like to trust Christ. I'd like to know that my sins are forgiven and I have a home in heaven. What do I do? Well, right where you sit, the best you know how, in the quietness of your mind, you can talk it over with a living God and get it settled where you're going to spend eternity. If you don't know what to say, say something like this to God. God, I, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I cannot save myself. But I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, and he paid for my sin. He rose from the dead. And right now, just the best to know how, I'm trusting him to be my Savior. I'm trusting Jesus as my only hope for heaven. I'll give you just a moment if you like to do that. You've done it before. You don't have to do it again. God gives everlasting life the moment we put our trust in Christ. You're praying. You're simply telling God, I'm not going to trust anything else. I'm not trusting myself. But right here, I'm trusting Christ to save me. God, I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself, but I'm trusting Jesus Christ is the one who died for me, and I'm trusting him for my everlasting life. Now, if you pray that for the first time, just a moment, not right now, I'd like to know if anybody understood that for the first time. We're not going to try to embarrass anyone. We get heads bowed and eyes are closed. But if you pray that for the first time, if you uh, raise your hand so I can include you in my closing prayer. I'm not going to, again, ask you for it. I'm not going to point you out. I'd like to know if someone understood that. Raising your hand doesn't get you to heaven, but trust in Christ gets you to heaven. So if anybody prayed that for the first time this, this morning, would you simply raise your hand up high enough for me to see it? Well, God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else say, pray for me. If you're here and you do know Christ, what's, what's going to happen in 2024? Remember, don't leave. It's great to plan. It's wise to plan, but don't leave God out of your plans for this next year. Don't worry about what's going to happen next year. Trust the Lord. Include him. Make him the priority. And again, uh, 2024 will be a, a great year. Father in heaven, we do thank you. For this one, by raising a hand, indicating they trusted you as their Savior. I would pray you just encourage him and uh, uh, strengthen him, Lord. Uh, Father, we uh, thank you for how good you've been to us this past year. Father, we look forward to this coming year. Father, forgive us when we worry. Forgive us when we uh, forget about how you promised to supply our needs. Uh, Father, we uh, just uh, forgive us for not trusting you and holding on to things that we think we can do ourselves. But, Father, help us make you the priority and trust you and uh, realizing that is a choice that will bring peace to our hearts. Uh, Father, again, we just thank you for this day.
please, uh, please, each one's safety as they travel home today, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, um,